Hey everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 127 with illustrator and art director, Daniel Savage, who joins us this week to discuss how he got a start in the industry, the challenges of discovering his own style, and how it's led to his unique community-driven projects like Yule Log, and the intricacies, benefits, and occasional downsides to freelancing. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, as you probably know, is an awesome service that enables you to create and present your work using their custom website builder. What once took way too much time and a lot of frustration is now eliminated, so you can just focus on making great work, and Squarespace does the rest. So start building your website today at squarespace.com. You can enter the offer code TCP at checkout and get 10% off. Also, a shout out to our sponsor, Learn Squared where I'm currently teaching UI and data design for film. So if you're interested in seeing how I go about making some of my madness, head on over to learnsquared.com and enroll today. You can also sign up at any time and learn at your own pace, so check it out. Here we go, everybody. Episode 127 with Daniel Savage. When did this all start for you? Was there a moment in your life that you realized that art was something that you were supposed to pursue? Have you been drawing since you were a kid? Like, whereabouts does this all come from? Um, well, it's it's funny. When I was a kid, uh, I guess I, I really wanted to, it's like super cliche, but I, I really wanted to be a Disney animator. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like, that was like, that was going to be it. That was for me. Um, and then at some point, I kind of lost interest in art um, and I started playing music and that was like, that was, that became my, uh, my outlet. Mm. Um, actually, so uh, I don't really talk about this that often, but my, my father passed away when I was in like eighth grade. Mm, sorry. Um, and then, so art has always been something I make when I'm like happy and I was kind of in a dark place. So I, uh, I was playing the drums at the time oh, Okay. and I took that really seriously and I kind of just dropped art altogether. Hmm. And ended up going to school for music. Um, And so I went to school for music and uh, a year into the, I was like a contemporary classical percussion performance degree. Uh, So it's like kind of useless, but um, I I realized it wasn't, it wasn't really for me. So I transferred into the graphic design program. Uh, And from there I've discovered motion design um, and then kind of, that that's just sort of how I got back into it, I guess. Uh, and it's been a slow, um, climb back mm. out of this hole of, uh, like I, I always kind of wish that I just stuck with it. Yeah. But, um, I guess it, it kind of, because I went down this, this path of like music, it kind of informed my animation style a little, which sure. I think is cool. Um, and that helped me kind of get into motion design a little easier, I think. Um, yeah, and then so that's that was like the education portion of of all that, and then I started working at uh, Comedy Central right out of school, doing like on air branding. So it was like combining um, the the graphic design background with uh, the motion that I had been kind of learning on my own, and uh, that's where I met I met this guy uh, Sally that taught me the graph editor there. This was like two thousand seven. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then that was just like life changing for me as far as understanding after effects and timing, like having that much control over your timing. Yeah. Um, so that was really, I don't know. That was really, uh, that was really awesome. But then I guess, uh, I always kind of would chase technology like that. And recently I've gotten more into just wanting to get better at drawing and trying to get back to like the design side of things and try to take some inspiration from illustration. And, um, yeah, I don't know. You're um, yourself teaching yourself a little bit more now. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to as much as, as much as possible. Where, um, do, where, where are you going to find the, the information that's helping you learn? Well, so a couple of years ago I started, um, uh, I have some I have some books that are really helpful. One one is called the uh, um, turn a blank. Uh, it was like the trade secrets of cartooning or something. Um, 
I can get that link for you later. Oh yeah, it'd be awesome to share with everybody. Yeah, it was that was like the it goes through everything from like composition to color theory to all this stuff. But um, John Kay actually, uh, John the uh, Brennan Stimpy guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that guy's has, awesome. Yeah, he has a ton of lessons on his for like more like traditional cartooning um, on his uh, site, which is really cool. Is it the and, blog? Is it the blog thing, or the blog spot, or his actual website? It was a, it was like John K curriculum. Okay. And so I like kind of I started there, and I also I, I was taking classes at SVA, doing like getting back into life drawing and stuff. Um, in college, I I missed some of the um, studio classes, like the studio art classes, because since I transferred, uh, it wasn't required to take them, and. I guess, I don't know, my advisor didn't really encourage it and I just kind of skipped it. And so I was like, always regretted that. So it's like trying to get back into it as much as possible. Sure. It's interesting when you don't do something or you think you don't need it. And then all of a sudden it turns out to be something that you fall in love with later on in life or something. The irony of that, it happens to me. It happens to a lot of people I know too. Yeah, Um, it's pretty funny. But I I do think that uh, later on you, you... obviously you, you crave it more and you take it a little more seriously than, than I would have if I was taking these classes in college. What do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Uh, maybe it's maturity. Yeah. Uh, Not that I'm, not that I'm mature, but (laughs) sure. Sure. Uh, or it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I think it's, I think it's like you, you get to a point where you realize how important it is. I guess when you're starting out, you don't understand it. You don't understand what the value it brings. Yeah. Uh, even to like like laying out typography, if you're better at drawing, you could it, like it'll apply to everything, you know. Yeah, I think it all kind of like comes together at the end. Are you in the 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 class of thinking that um, knowledge is power, no matter what knowledge? Um, I guess so to a point. I think, but I also think sometimes going at it not really understanding it comes a different perspective. Sure. Which could come out um, some interesting results. Um, I don't know. There's an irony to that, too. Absolutely. Because I think this uh, serendipitous moments of just spontaneity is really important as far as creativity, too, and not Mm -hmm. having complete knowledge of it. For example, um, well, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I guess we could use like the case of um, famous Picasso, for example, and when he originally was starting to learn how to draw, he would actually draw realistically. And then not only after he understood how to draw realistically, was he able to abstract. And so sometimes people go the opposite way where they just draw Mm -hmm. abstract because that's how it's like they're making up for the, their lack of understanding of the form either way. It doesn't matter because it is subjection, right? You know, art is so subjective, Um, but at the same time, uh, I think he has a pretty good point where he's actually gone above and beyond, you know, he's understood all the information, then he can abstract, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which is kind of yeah. like to go back to what you were saying, like getting more access to information and knowledge and learning how to draw in a different level. Then you can like have all that information in your mind and then understand the style. Cause one thing I really want to talk to you about is your style and stuff, but sorry, you were saying, Oh, um, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, we're, <laughs> we're just talking about style and, and, um, having style, understanding style, where style comes from. I'm really curious to see your thoughts on your own style and then what style is to you. Okay. Actually. Yeah. That was uh, one thing when you were saying like, I guess, um, I guess my, my, what I was going to say was uh, at some point I was trying really hard to, you know, to learn the rules and to understand everything um, from a very, I don't know traditional um foundation i guess and then what i what i kind of realized was as soon as i as almost forgot that and it's like i accepted the fact that my hand is kind of shaky and i i'm not gonna ever be an amazing draftsman that my i'd like to think my work is a little more for me personally is a little more charming i don't know if that's the right word but um it was like uh if I was trying to draw something like perfect, you could tell that it like it, it just didn't feel right. Sure. Yeah. Does that make sense? And Absolutely then so as soon does. as I just kind of just drew it straight from my head and not even like 
not looking at too much reference or anything like that, then it's that's when it kind of felt the most natural. I think that's a really good point. And I think, um, I guess, I mean, there's different ways of using that as far as, cause I have the same thing too. Um, I'll look at artists, say, uh, James Jean, for example, why can't I draw like James Jean? Cause damn, he's so good, you know? And then I would get mm-hmm. kind of defeated by the fact of that. And I think that's one thing that makes him so great is because it makes you realize how good it could be. For example, like if you had say a steady hand, I have the same thing where I, I have a very unsteady hand and I draw very, um, with a lot of energy. But then I remember reading, uh, an interview with, uh, Frank Miller. I brought this up before in a previous podcast, but he said when he likes to draw, I think he was doing an interview or doing a really cool book that I read, but he was saying, when you draw, get up and dance, move, like put the energy in your work, you know? And, And I couldn't agree with that more because, you can see it in his work and some of his work is very abstract and some of his work is very like very, um, draftsman like, you know, and, um, I guess it depends on the style and what you're trying to achieve, of course. But, um, and that's again, subjection. And that's what makes this so wild. It's like, you know, every time I dive into these podcasts, I'm always trying to dive further into that cave to discover what it is and find similar patterns. And it always, uh, it's so fucking abstract. The cave breaks open a new hole every time. I'm like, wow, I didn't think of that. Or that's so unique, you know? Yeah, for sure. And defining one style, I think, like you said, it becomes down to, um, it's like tailor-made to your own life and experience. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. And we use the word char- charming. And I think that that's actually interesting to, to use as far as describing what you're talking about. And, and I guess what I would say to that as far as like what I think I'm interpreting that is, is like, I absolutely agree because your personality is coming through. And right, if right. you're, if you're, if your personality is charming, therefore your art will be, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I find that interesting though. Do you, do you, did you have a hard time? facing that, you know, like facing that fact that, Oh, maybe I'm not going to be, uh, Frank Frazetta or something, or, um, and and maybe it's that you will, you can, and you can become that, or have you just discovered and and focused on your own and that's it. And you're, you're happy with where you're going in your own trajectory. I'm, I'm definitely happy with where I'm going now. Okay. I guess as I was learning, it was like, it was definitely frustrating. Um, trying to, trying to, figure this out. Um, so yeah, that's def- definitely frustrating for sure. Uh, I think, and actually one of the things that John K kind of talks about, and this is very much for, um, if you're going to do traditional animation is he would, he would, um, say that you draw, uh, something from a model sheet and try to get it like exact and then line up, <clears throat> put, uh, the original one in red and line them up in Photoshop and see like how on model you are. Mm. And it was, I mean, I was always off model and it's like, that's the most like aggravating thing. Yeah. Yeah. I and saw like, that. Yeah. And no matter how you, you try and it's like, it's always off model. And it's like, um, you know, obviously if I, I mean, I, I've only been really doing this for like the sort of hand drawn stuff for a couple of years. So if I obviously if I stuck at, stuck with it, I think anyone can really, if they really put the time in can get to that point of craft. Um, it just takes time. And I think, if that's what you want, then you can kind of, I think anyone can really go for it. Um, I think, but it just, I guess for me, it was kind of trying to strip it down to uh, almost like the bare minimum of just like shape, just like shape, color and line and seeing what you can get away with, with the least amount of um, stuff on the page, I guess I do have a, cause I did have a tendency in the past to kind of go overboard. Yeah. Um, what do you think and that was? My, is that due to frustration too? Cause I do the same thing. I think, I, I just think that like I'll put something on the page and, it, and I'll be like, Oh, it needs more and it needs more. And I just keep if to, I, I guess my, my, pro, my thought process to make something better was to just add more to it rather than trying to refine this one simple thing. Yeah. I have the same, I have the same thing. I think it's due to an, an insecurity that you think that, Oh, I can overcome compensate this with more detail. Or yeah, that, more that, more information makes sense. I think. Yeah, um, it's a very common trait, though. I think with artists and creating stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that you could learn anything though? Like if you decided to um, yourself, like you obviously have a style, and I think um, we're kind of touching on what style is, and I think style comes from 
people's willingness to discover their own path and realize that like, for example, to one of my favorite comic artists, Mike Mignola, uh, one thing that was reassuring to me, he would say that he, he never wanted to draw buildings. Like drawing a cityscape to him was like horror. He, he didn't want to do it and he would, he avoided it at all costs. And so what he then did is he figured out how to have these exposition shots where you just focus on little minimal details. And then he figured out how to craft the perfect flow of a comic page. And so by utilizing his weaknesses and his fears, like not wanting to do those things, he actually then became, a, you know, a, not another Jim Lee clone basically. And he was able to like dis- discover and derive to his own destination, what's created him. But that's obviously through like sh- shit tons of hours and hardships. And he said he still struggles every day, even at his level, you know? So, um, yeah, definitely. which is crazy. But I, I always love that too, um, because it's reassuring that you-, you can be unique and it's okay to be unique and, um, and you can learn anything you want and you can grow, but it's up to you what you take with you and how you apply that to your own style. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, cause I think that's what style is, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, yeah I guess what, it's sorry, it's also about, I guess it, it also comes down to subject matter too, right? Um, more so than an aesthetic. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I guess what you're trying to accomplish, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So if I were to say, uh, draw a face and you say, okay, well, do you have source reference? I say, no, just draw from your, imag- your imagination. And if I asked 10 people, they would all draw a different face from their imagination if they're isolated, you know? Yeah. They'd, yeah. One, one would draw one with a big nose, a small nose and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, they would all have their own style. I guess you would consider that to be style, whether it's good or bad, or that's all based on opinion and subjection. Actually, a great example of that is... Um, the, I do the, the project, uh, the U-Log 2.0 every year. Okay. And, um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's like, um, I, I get everyone to redo the, the U-Log fireplace. Um, and it's this, the brief is the same for everyone and everyone, there's never been two logs exactly like, mm. um, it's really, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I guess that just goes down to style, you know, like I guess mm-hmm. that breaks down. And st- so, so style is, is a personified thing as, as far as an individual is, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And just based on your own in, in, intuition, how, how for you, um, knowing all this stuff, how, how do you approach, let's say, um, a blank canvas or, uh, like, do you have, when you go and create uh, outside of client work, um, do you have, do you approach it with your own creative brief? Do you have an idea? Do you have an intention? Uh, and uh, how do you co- how do you go from nothing to something? Um, I guess it's it's kind of different every time. I'll uh, I guess there's 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 two ways to go. I go about it. There's one where you know I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, and then I just the next day I'll just dive right in and start making it. Or the other way is I'll just I have literally have no ideas, and I'll just start doodling and hope something comes out of it. Mm. And, um, a lot of times that's where my, the work that I'm more happy with actually comes from is like, it's like a happy mistakes, just start drawing something. And then all of a sudden there's this, this idea comes from nowhere, um, that you wouldn't have come up with had you not just started drawing. Yeah. Um, being proactive and just going for it. Yeah, I think so. Do you think sometimes just activating that and, and allowing your mind to kind of get in that mode, just serendipitous mode and kind of seeing things, do you have a hard time getting into that mode for yourself personally, or do you, are you able to get activate that pretty quickly? Uh, it's interesting. I think sometimes, I mean, there's always that, like that, that undying crave to make something. And I like, I can, ne- I can never shake that feeling. Um, like I'll be watching TV with my fiance and, and I'll be like frustrated that I'm, <laughs> that I'm not making something. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, but still sometimes I'll, I'll have this like crave to make something and I'll sit down and just uh, nothing will come out. Um, which is, that's always the worst feeling. Yeah, It's discouraging. It's like blue balls of art or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, a, um, I have those two. Uh, I don't get them nearly as much as I used to. And I think the thing that's really helped me with that is, um, I'm constantly curious about everything. And what's helped me with that is there's never a dull moment for me 
to ever think about creating. So that it's like any time that I actually get to create, it's it's like I it's like I don't have enough time to create what I want. So what's helped me fight that block or that little that issue for me personally is like just feeding my mind. It's like mm-hmm. as, as much crap as I can, <laughs> even like weird stuff too. I'll just get inspired by, um, science and stuff. Um, one of my students, he was showing me this really incredible video about how butterflies retain their color blue and how rare blue is in nature. And, and it was this like really beautiful three minute video of dissecting this, concept and it and for me it was just like so inspiring and i want to take that into say 3d and and implement that in a weird way and and all these things that just like never leave my mind so yeah that curiosity i guess is something that helps me at least but mm-hmm. yeah, those, yeah. those moments is your fiance creative as well yeah she works uh she she's on the uh, advertising side of things she right now she's working at a place that does um kind of uh experiential stuff Oh, yeah. um, that's pretty cool. I, yeah, actually, out in LA in the Grove, she they did this uh, for Go Go Squeeze. They created this giant. Um, uh, it was like a Go Go, a giant vending machine that it was like a rocket launcher that shot out little packets of Go Go Squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but she does. Yeah, but she's in the in the. We're, it's kind of cool because um, she comes from like a kind of big picture side of things, and I'm like the the hands-on guy and um it's always nice to to like get her opinion on things from a different point of view yeah and that's good that she is creative too so that she understands you know when you get those moments of like frustration or doubt or um any of those things because it does definitely i'm not sure mm-hmm. for you but it definitely is is part of this whole i guess career and life choice you know so yeah yeah <laughs> How did you make the shift from, say, um, and I definitely want to talk about music some more, too, and drumming and all that stuff, because I, I love music, too, and I actually played bass for about eight years, and I actually quit art when I did it. I did the same thing, and it really, oh, wow. I think the, uh, I love bass and the whole idea of connecting all the instruments in a band is really fun, and rhythm and all that stuff as well, and I think a lot of, I think there's something to be said about, of course, it would have been awesome if we probably both focused on just our art and just had that as our focus, but at the same time, um, being able to have those other things in our ingredients of life, I think also add a unique twist when mm-hmm. it goes back to style, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. how did you make that shift from, you know, drawing and, and just making, you know, like you mentioned, uh, comedy central and stuff was that you said that you got that kind of going pretty soon. Like that was a pretty quick shift for you as far as like going into a career or a career mode and jumping into that. How did that all happen? Um, from, you mean from school? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, I was, I, I guess I was learning after effects on my own while doing the graphic design assignments. Um, this is 2007 ish. Yeah, that's okay. when I that's when I graduated. Okay, um, and I just I scrapped together. Actually, okay, here's a here's a funny story. So I scrapped together a reel of just like little five second tidbits I was kind of making, um, and, and at the time it was it was pretty decent for student work, I think. And uh, I got a freelance gig right like I graduated uh, I graduated on like a Friday and had a freelance gig at at that studio Eyeball on a Monday. And I kind of like fibbed a little bit and said I had been freelancing for a while and I wasn't, you know, just graduating. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I worked there for two weeks and then I, and then I got fired. <laughs> Cause I you, was, weren't, you was, weren't producing or what? I just was, I was in over my head. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and, uh, and then like, but actually it was kind of a blessing in the skies, I think, cause working at comedy central was, was, that was the, the like the best first job I think I could have gotten. And, um, and so I started working there probably a week or two later and uh, just, I found like a, a job posting on the, on mograph.net. I don't even know if that's still around anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, applied for it and I got the job and stayed there for, it was a, actually, it was a permalance thing and I stayed there for like, I think like nine months. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and then I did the, the whole studio freelance bouncing around thing. Um, by then I'd, I understood what I needed to to understand to to jump in. And what was that? that? Um I mean just like you know I, underst- I, I well actually it was, it's funny cuz like 
I came from a design background and I was like so into, like I said earlier, chasing the technology and trying to understand the most, like trying to get into like the technical aspect of uh, After Effects and stuff. And that, I was always kind of getting these. So I, I guess my point was uh, at Comedy Central, I learned what I needed to learn to be a part of a big production um, from uh, from an animator standpoint. And then that was kind of what led me to jumping around. And like, I worked at like super fed and a bunch of places like that for, for a long time uh, as a, as an animator. Um, and I think that's also part of the reason why I eventually like took the extreme and went straight into getting back into drawing was because I was doing this. Um, not that, not that like 2d animation is really technical, but it's like, Oh, it can be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like sometimes you get, or you get like stuck on like a commercial job that lasts like three months and you're just like, want to kill yourself. But now three months is quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Films are like two, uh, two years and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some commercials are could be gnarly though. That's true. I guess it's as far as you want to put it though, right? Like how far you want to take it, you know, mm-hmm. and how, like how elevated you want to, uh, you want to take these ideas, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm not really a big fan of commercials, but I will sit and watch a buck commercial. Yeah, of course. Damn right. I will. I'll sit in my, I'll my family and my wife and daughter know how much I loathe commercials, you know? And, but when I see like, say a buck one or a well-designed one, I'm like, Oh, hold on. Let me watch this. Yeah. And it's, it's like, because they've, they've put the craft into it. Not to say the other ones did. I just, they craft it towards something that I'm interested in, you know? And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious and, and wanting to know more and, and it activates the art the artist in me you know the curious mind yeah and um, managing that craft with like client feedback that's the the juggling act that is always the most amazing part yeah how do you navigate that like do you have any strategies because i have a couple um yeah i uh I think my strategy is just to not show the work that I'm not happy with at the yeah. end of it. I don't know. It's, um, I'm not sure. I think it's all what's about your, trust. What's your, stra- what's your strategy? <laughs> it's all about trust. You know, yeah. you, you got to get trust right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You, you got to imagine, I think I always look at it as a client, as, um, this like scared person that wants reassurance instantly. So you have to show them that they can trust you. The moment that you can, they can see that they can trust you. Like, you know what you're doing. You're not an idiot. <laughs> and, yeah. and then what happens there is the gates open and then you have, um, interaction, you have really good, on, honest interaction, and then you have communication. And then if you're lucky, you have collaboration and then you have at the end of it, you have something that you're both proud of. Usually yeah. that's, usually that's what I've found to yield the best results. You know, whether I'm working with a director directly or a, a production company or a team, when it doesn't do that, it doesn't, it doesn't yield as good. You just, well, usually how, do you, nervous. how do you get their, their trust off the bat? Is that something you do in your kill it. pitch? Or you just <laughs> kill the shit out of that thing. Now, um, yeah, it's like, you know, listening. So, um, mm. so I, I guess we can do like a scenario and I'm sure you're familiar with this, this scenario. Uh, client reaches out to you, say, cool, uh, I'm interested. And then they say, okay, here's our brief. I say, okay, let me digest it. And then you get all this stuff. You take all their communication and then you kick it back to them. Say, I acknowledge this. I understand this. And you get either on a call or email. Okay. This is what you need. Say, okay. And then, and then I go, this is exactly. And then I take it, take all those things. They said, this is exactly what they need. And then I focus on those things in the core aspect. And that's actually what I'm teaching right now. I'm teaching how to make, get that trust right away. And Mm -hmm. by making something really great, above and beyond what they're kind of expecting, but make it you know, really think about it, you know, dissecting the brief and really an- analyzing that data and then coming back with something great so that they go, Oh, okay, this guy's awesome. Because any job I've ever done that's equated to anything big has always been that formula where I go and get that trust instantly. And then they're, they're like, oh, okay, this guy understands it. I can trust him with the rest of my film because he understands and he's working, he's working with me. He's not working for me. Right. Right. Yeah. I always say you want to be the clients, uh, their mind, not their hands. I hate mm-hmm. being a client's hands. I'm like, shit, go fire, <laughs> go hire somebody else, man. Like I don't, yeah. you know, you can control That's anybody. True. You can control a monkey in a cage, but like, come on, let's collaborate here. You know? And if, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, it's because I failed at it. I think, you know, either I failed at earning the trust or I failed at finding a partner that can allow trust, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I try to that's, see those things, forecast those predict- predictions, you know, 
as far as that it's all communication you know really is i've um i've been working with twitter a lot lately that's they're like one of my my big clients right now and that's um how's that it's awesome they're it's i think it i wonder i i always wonder if it's because they're like graphic designers yeah and they they get it and then you know their feedback is like some of the best feedback i get because it's it's making it better it's not like make this red because my kid likes red it's like (laughs) make this red because there's a reason why it should be red you know it's like um and uh it's just that's been like a super super fun gig to have that's cool it's good to have clients that are educated too Mm -hmm. yeah definitely. it's really nothing better than that because then you're then there's a lot of trust um, both ways because sometimes it's it's more or less your you as the artist are educating your client as to why you're making the decisions that you're making. But when you mm-hmm. have, when you have a, a client that's somewhat educated or understanding of it, what you're after, um, they just, they, they're just maybe not nearly, not as good as you, but they, they're really close or they're too busy to do your job and everybody else's, you know? So they have you as a team, team, team member, but it's always great when somebody understands these things. It, the worst feedback is that kind of abstract, like, yeah, make it purple or make it <laughs> move it to pixel left. And it's like, man, I've, I've been in that situation. I know plenty of people that have, um, and it's, it's usually, like I said, it's all about trust. If you can get trust mm-hmm. instantly, it's like, yeah, it's like dating, you know, or, uh, anything in life. It's human interaction. You know, I think that's yeah. at its core. That's really what it is. How do you navigate your professional career? Like, how is that going for you? Uh, it's, it's been great. This year has been really, really incredible. Um, it, awesome. it was, interesting i um so i guess like last year the beginning of the year i was i i had this idea that i was going to start like a real like a full production studio um and uh i rented a space from uh uh, uh do you know i don't know if you know michelle higa but i rented a space from uh, a desk from her and i like got everything set up started going meeting with agencies and being like hey i got this uh this studio gonna gonna grow this big studio uh i have all these freelancers working for me um and then that was in january and then february came and i had these three big projects going and i was managing like four i guess four freelancers uh so so yeah it picked up really quick and i was like i couldn't believe it was actually working it's awesome and then um after the all those projects wrapped i kind of like you know took a step back and thought about like what had just happened. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I was like, it, I didn't really even get to create that much stuff. I was just managing people and dealing with contracts and all that. And it, uh, on one hand it was like really exciting that I could do this, but on the other hand, I didn't know if I necessarily wanted to. Yeah. Um, and so I, so yeah, so I took some time to really think about it. And I think what I've come to the conclusion now or like this year I, uh, as when I decided I want to just sell myself as an individual, but I'm still an independent Mm. and I can take on, I mean, I can hire, uh, additional staff to help me if I need to. It's very Um, similar to me. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. That's the best way to go for guys like us. I think because yeah, if you try to be the boss then you're not doing creative because you're, all you're doing is, is you're navigating and delegating and communicating but if um, I, I get thrills off of making things, if I go to sleep, I can't, it's hard for me to go to sleep at night unless I, I smash something out for the day. Like if I've earned that day, mm-hmm. I have a real hard yeah, time. If I'm I just sitting on calls all day and sending emails, it's yeah. like, fuck man, it does, that doesn't fulfill me. <laughs> and uh, then I'll stay up really late just to draw so I can get that like urge out, you know? Yeah. You got to get out of your system for sure. Absolutely. Because I think we come from similar ideas where it's like, we come from the love of just creating things mm-hmm. and yeah. it's totally making a company is totally uh creation in its own right. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's anything less. It's just what gets me up at night. Cause I've had a lot of people asking, why don't you make a studio? Why don't you start a studio? I say no, because, uh, it's just, it's too gnarly. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it. I've, I've gone through so many companies, I've seen so many people running companies and how gnarly it is, you know, and how mm-hmm. crazy it can be. And all, you just end up kind of stuck in this maze of just madness, you know? Oh, I got to yeah. get more employees because it costs more for the server thing. And oh, I got to do this. And it's like, oh, before you know it, you're not, you're just hey, you gotta <clears throat> feed the beast. You got to feed the beast. Exactly. So I, I admire people that can do it. Uh, it's not my, not my thing though. 
but that's exactly how I do it. I, I, I brand myself as an individual and luckily I can able, I'm able to hire teams and build things like for like the Neil Tyson job and all those kind of things, you know? And yeah. I guess, I mean, that, I guess that comes back to what you were saying earlier about getting your clients trust. Yes, absolutely. And if you can get that and, and the right people will see that, I think, um, mm-hmm. and they'll go, Oh wow, this guy got the trust of <laughs> Apple or Google or, Twitter or, or whoever, or this director or this film. And then they'll open up the gates. I think, you know, if you can get one person and do an amazing job and you can showcase that then the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, cause a lot of times I get asked by students or just people that are starting out, um, that are curious about how kind of how you break into it. And a lot of them think, okay, you got to go to school. Okay, sure. You gotta, you have to have some sort of education, whether it's online or, um, an institution, a physical institution, sure that makes sense. But a lot of times I get asked, like, how do you navigate that change, that shift? You know, how do you go into professionalism and all that kind of stuff? And that's kind of what I was asking you. I was just curious how it's going for you. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I guess our in, we're, we're fortunate in our industry where there is the the studio system where you can uh, get booked for a month at uh, Buck or wherever and just work there. Like you just go in every day and put your headphones on and just do your job and go home. Yeah. I think because there's such a demand that it's, it might be a little easier to break into at least the, like the commercial motion graphics field than some others, I think. Um, and I think like, like, like for me as a student or like graduating, you know, I had that, I had those early opportunities um, just because there, no one else, no one else was available basically, you know? Yeah. This producers are always looking for people and they it's um i always encourage people to just quit their job and go freelance because it's it's so at least if you're in a big city that has all these studios because it's just it's so easy and you can meet so many people and learn so much yeah i think freelance is definitely um for me it's the only way to go well because I, <laughs> I live in san diego there's nothing really there wasn't there's there's shiloh that was down here when i first started um, but I always wanted to just work from home cause I like being close to my family and I like, I don't like commuting. I hate wasting time in a car, uh, unless yeah. I'm like f- crushing it in the mountains and having fun, like really driving my car. So, <laughs> but I don't like, I don't like wasting time in cars and stuff. Um, so, yeah. but it's just all about designing your life and time and all that stuff. But yeah, freelance I think is, um, it's for me personally, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. It was very shocking and hard to make that jump. Um, I I equate it to the idea of you're on a cliff and there's water, but you're not sure how deep it is. Mm. And and the depth of that water is based off of say your abilities and Mm -hmm. what's out there as far as like availability for people to hire you. And so you're not sure if you're going to hit the bottom and if you're going to survive it, but you, you want to jump because there's no, there's no going back, you know, because yeah. you know, if you turn back around and come back to wherever you came from, you'd be upset with yourself because you haven't made that risk, but it's always a challenge to jump away and do freelance. Um, how did you, how did you come about doing that? And like, how did you overcome those fears? Um, I, maybe because well, the, my first job at Comedy Central was essentially freelance, yeah. even though I was just like constantly booked, um, that I never really, uh, had the, the full-time job that it, it didn't affect me, I, I guess maybe it was, or maybe it was cause I was just super arrogant and didn't think I, I needed a full-time job. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but it never, it actually never really phased me. That's um, cool. I was like, I, I, I can wait, you're telling me I can work for this, this amount of time and make this much money. I was like, my rent costs this much. I was like, that means I can live for this long <laughs> yeah, without yeah. working. And it was like, and I just, you know, just work job from job to job and kind of just play it, play it by ear. I mean, what's, I guess in, in that situation, the, the worst thing that could have happened was I would just move back in with my mom, you know, <laughs> which sure, sure. is not, not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, well, that's like going back away from the cliff, you know? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but you made the jump and that's fine and that's good. I just, I know that that's a shared fear. I get asked so many times by people like, you know, how did you know? When did you know? How 
to do this jump and say, you just, you know, when you're ready, you know it. And that's kind of hard to say that because that doesn't help. That's not constructive, you know, but it, it's so, um, such an abstract question. There's a, it's always an abstract answer when it comes to that. But, um, I think it's just being aware of it. And I think, uh, there is such a saturation. There's so much, there's so many jobs and there's so many things that are being created and there's so much money being spent on the arts. Yeah, it's, it's more than ever in these days. I think people are recognizing the power of art. You look at companies like Google or Apple, um, looking at, you know, design, mm-hmm. for example, and the power of design, good design, smart design, um, and utilizing that and everything, everything we see is designed in one way or another, whether it's good or bad. And sometimes it's subjective, sometimes it's not. But, um, yeah, I think if you're trying to go out and do freelance, I would suggest just do it um, and be ready for yeah. it, you know? And I think uh, I, w- I was actually more, I was nervous kind of being like more independent where my clients are agencies and and companies versus doing the studio thing. Yeah. Because yeah. in the studio thing, you're still an employee, even though it's a te- it's like a temporary thing. Yeah. But you don't have to manage clients. You know, you don't have to worry about contracts or bids or anything like that. You don't have to have liability insurance. So it's like doing this, the studio thing was, is I think a lot easier than just, uh, going out there, um, uh, as a, as an independent, I guess, if that, if that makes sense. And that was, I was more nervous doing that. Um, and like now after like a year or two of doing it, it's, it's kind of second nature, but, um, at first it was a little scary for sure. Yeah. How do you navigate the business side of things? Um, do you have like a, like the, the bare essence of doing things? Like how do you invoice? How do you deal with all that stuff? Because I have uh, my own system too, but I'm always curious to see how freelancers, like what we're using and how we're using it and how it's helping you and stuff. Like how do you manage clients and expectations? Do you just do email or and like how do you invoice and all that kind of stuff? Because that's always an important thing too, the business side, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, I have, I have a lawyer and an accountant and that's, super helpful. Yeah. Even though How did you find them? Uh, recommendations from, from friends. That always um, helps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my, my accountant does my bookkeeping. Um, so I don't have to really worry about that, which is just like a, a headache that kind of went away. Did as you as get I, that, I was like, did you get that instantly? Is that something that you did? No, re- more actually some, some recently, uh, yeah. cause I had switched, I had always done things in spreadsheets and it was just always a disaster. Yeah. And then I finally switched to QuickBooks and things started getting a little more organized as mm. things started getting more complicated. And, uh, I just, I was like, I don't, I, I'd, I'd rather spend the money and not have to deal with this. So I hired my, my accountant who just would do my taxes every year to just kind of, to do my books. And that's it's well worth super, it, isn't it? It's, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, it's something amazing. that a lot of people don't realize, but it's so helpful and it's totally worth the cost of whatever it is for just mm-hmm. being clear minded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, like how you were saying before that you, you're, you're not starting a studio because you want to make stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you still have to delegate the stuff that you don't want to do so you can make stuff, I yeah. guess. Exactly. Yeah. Cause if you don't, then you're just going to be stuck not doing anything. You're not going to be have time to make anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So and a lawyer and an accountant, those are two really good ingredients I think a lot of people don't realize. I have the same. Um, and now with the school too, we have a bookkeeper and all that stuff too because we did, it just gets out of control. There's so much oh, stuff yeah. going on and there's so much logistics and you ha- you have to delegate those things or you'll never get anything done, you know. So, mm-hmm. But that's good. Even as a freelancer though, like I think it's really important to have a lawyer. And so when you, your interaction with your lawyer, would you pass your lawyer the NDAs and contracts like that and have uh, him or, him or her review them? Yeah. Um, the uh, NDAs, I, I kind of just sign because, um, well, I mean, I re- obviously I read them they're usually, they're usually just boilerplate. So it's, I just kind of go with it. Yeah. But the bigger con, like the master service agreements, I always, those are the ones I make sure that they re- review, especially if I'm doing the sort of, um, licensing agreements with, with work. Um, I make sure that I own everything that I create because otherwise you're, you're so often you're getting the, the work for higher lines in there that, that they just kind of slip in under the rug. Oh, that they, they will too. Yeah. Yeah. How do you um, deal with that? How do you stay stern to your, your game? Have you lost jobs because of that? Uh, mm, no, there's, awesome. well, there's one client that I, I'm not going to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to mention their name, I guess. Sure. But, um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge on, 
on on it being work for hire, but that was because they, what I was going to be working on with them was they're like an IP company. So they, so it made sense. Mm. And I think in that, in that case, you just, as long as you can kind of just get compensated appropriately for it, it's fine. Yeah. You um, like do like three times rate or something like that or find, uh, like, find a good balance between that. Cause it's hard yeah. to navigate those two. I just had a friend asking me about that stuff too, as far as licensing and, and release and, uh, how much you would comp- like have to be compensated for, say, if you gave a client your your work indefinitely, you know, you don't want to be the person that sells like the Nike logo for twenty exactly. bucks or something. Exactly, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, because you never know who's going to take it and where they're going to take it and how far they're going to take it and how mm-hmm. they're going to use that for their brand. I mean, this is it's a situational based stuff, but um, yeah, it's always it's a it's it's an art, not a science. You got to kind of just. Um, and I, I, actually, a, a friend of mine said it's basically what you can get out of them <laughs> which is kind of a kind of a a weird way to look at it it's like what do you think you can what do you think or it's like what is what you're what you're creating what is it worth to this company if it's a billion dollar company and millions of people are going to see it it's worth a lot more than if it's a you know it's a small illustration for um someone's uh, a mom and pop like Facebook page, you know? Sure. Yeah. So it's like, you're not, you're not going to charge the mom and pop shop the same that you would <clears throat> the billion dollar company. I guess it's always hard to tell though. You know, when those yeah. guys were making Nike, they didn't have it really. They didn't have it yet. And then they got the logo. It's a, it's really hard to navigate that and tell. Um, but yeah, I think it's a matter of also, you know, um, forecasting the situation properly and evaluating it properly. But at the same time, also just being aware of your own value. I think it comes down to artists having value in their own work and their time. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's sometimes it's hard because, uh, not everybody's educated as to how long and hard it work takes to do what we do because common knowledge in our society, I think is that art is just kind of an extracurricular hobby. And if you do that hobby sure. enough, then you're lucky enough to do it. <clears throat> and the, the irony of that though is, um, there's, I know so many artists that are so successful, like lawyer level successful as far as money wise and, mm-hmm. and beyond even doctor level. And, um, the irony okay. is that people think that, yeah, it's a starving artist and stuff. It's like <laughs> that, that, that's actually, that's, that's, um, starving artists, I think exist when the community isn't communicating with one another and people aren't being transparent, honest about how we should be representing ourselves in society. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that with the podcast, elevate these things so people aren't destroying themselves or, you know, like are, you know, working for um, pennies on the dollar because we shouldn't be because, um, you know, we're, we, we should be offering a little bit more to society and what we're doing. It, take, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a life choice. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult to navigate that though. Totally. Yeah. That's good though. It should it's definitely something that should be, more everyone should be a little more open about i guess yeah i think it would just help you know i I always laugh uh, at the idea that you know if you were to some of these contracts and shit that people try to pull on me like man if they try to pull down like say a firefighter or a police officer like yeah we'll pay you uh in six months and (laughs) it's like what the fuck no you wouldn't you know like yeah come over to my house put this fire out and and, uh, (laughs) i'm not gonna pay you for six months though it's like how is it that artists allow such things to happen? And I think a lot of it comes down to just our, either our insecurity and also our lack of uh, self-value. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really important. And I, I love when I meet artists that are empowering or empowered and they kind of understand their value and they, and they, and they succeed and they kill it. And it's like always really inspiring to me because it just proof that it does work if you want it. Um, yeah. 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 Especially if you're working on advertising stuff, it's, Oh, absolutely. So much money there. It's just, you got to get what what you're worth. Yeah. And evaluating that too, navigating that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you totally lost track of my mind. (laughs) 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 Just getting into all this stuff. Just my mind's all running all over the place. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about dealing with frustration and stuff and then, um, artist block and stuff Uh, for you. What's an ideal day? the opposite of frustration. What, 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 what ingredients happen in a, in a perfect day for you? Hmm. Thinking what, um, well, I guess, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's, 
I guess it's something I never really thought about. Like what makes you happy? What makes me happy? (laughs) 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 These are therapy sessions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Note note to self. I don't know what makes me happy. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I guess just being able to do, man, I don't know. I guess I, um, being able to do a little bit of everything. Um, that's why I like making gifts so much is because you don't spend too much time on one thing. You kind of, you, you, you draw the thing or you design the thing and then you animate it right away and then you're done, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's like a quick, uh, quick release program kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess um, I I will say that it sometimes it is difficult for me to kind of just get in the zone, and when I am in it, and and like the the half the day is already already gone, and it's like in a blink of an eye. The that's definitely an ideal day. Um, I, I feel like I get in the zone for like short s- sprints. Have you timed get, yourself? And no, I never have. You could um, probably find your flow. There's a time usually. I have the flow. I have the same thing. You have it down to a science almost. I know how many. I know how many hours it takes for me to create something that I like. It's about three to four hours, and if I can get a complete immersion for three to four hours, I'm I'm fulfilled. Nice. Huh. Usually, yeah. I gotta I gotta I gotta try that. Think about that. It's just orchestrating happiness, basically. Though mm-hmm. it's kind of weird it's kind of like odd an odd thought but usually that's how i've I've found that out or i'll have ebbs and flows throughout the day Um, yeah like you know i like to create at night and i used to i've always been a night person usually stay up really late when everybody's quiet and the world's asleep i'm usually worried but you live in new york so never sleeping yeah i think actually when uh when my studio mates go home Mm -hmm. and they go home pretty early around like five or six it's almost it's almost like that's when it really kicks in for me. Isolation uh, then. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, um, yeah, I think that might, maybe that's it. I mean, um, cause I, I, I used to work just from my, my apartment. Uh, yeah. You work from your, from your, from your home. Yeah. Right? I have a home studio. Yeah. It's awesome. I love yeah, that's, it. That's great. Um, yeah. I do like, I guess, well, in New York, you know, I have this, kind of tiny apartment so having the space to to like ride my bike to in the morning definitely helps me get in in the zone yeah and um having uh studio mates to kind of talk to is helpful too but um also distracting yeah (laughs) Yeah. apparently yeah uh but yeah i don't know um yeah i don't know kind of forgot what, what i was saying but <laughs> well, I just talking, we're trying to articulate um ebbs and flows of happiness and create right. a, create an, an ideal day it's all design you know it's like you can just you can all you can design a product you can design a piece of art you can also design your experience in life and your and how you use time that's one thing i've been realizing and the power of understanding that and your own flow is like wow like uh, it's pretty crazy and uh, no way have I even kind of close to perfecting it. I still have, you know, days where I just, I get really broken down or I get days where I'm shattered as a person mm-hmm. emotionally because I'm not sleeping or I, I'm overworking myself. But then I also have days where I've gotten great sleep. I've balanced my work life balance with my, seeing my family, enjoying that time. And then also having fulfilled my tasks and, you know, making my clients happy or myself happy or accomplishing goals. And so I always try to find those like, oh, that was really good. I guess that's self-reflection. Do you do, do you often have self-reflection? Um, I guess so. I don't know. I don't, do I? <laughs> you're asking, it's funny. You're asking these things that I've, I've never, maybe I've just, maybe I do, but I've just never really kind of thought about it. Sure. I guess I, I do. I always have self-reflection on like what I'm making. Um, I, I always, I guess I do have. I think about what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. No, I'm asking you complex stuff, so it's good though. <laughs> After this talk, I'm, I'm, a, simple, I'm, I'm curious a simple-minded guy. <laughs> That's good though. I think um, it's good to be um, simple in a sense where you're not necessarily analyzing all these things because they will become clouded clutter in your mind. But again, it goes back to how you digest information and how you 
kind of articulate information. And again, that's a kind of a subjective like life choice, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think it's, if you don't, if you don't know what this is and you don't really care to, who cares, you know, but maybe after this conversation, you will think about it and maybe it will elevate a weird part of your life or something, you know, you never know. Yeah. I'm, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it just, it just depends. You know, I think a lot of times too, um, not only as artists and just people in general, we go through life kind of just going through life with these intentions. Um, I guess you can equate it to like a car at night with a light, their lights on Like you can, you can drive forever as long as you have gas in the tank and the engine works, so you can drive forever um, with just seeing, you know, the f- hundred feet in front of you. Um, but if you didn't have those lights and you'd kind of randomly go, but what I find is people kind of go um, randomly through different obstacles and different things. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, like that was weird. And some people have a fulfilled life and they randomly f- stumble upon like an amazing path in life. And, and some people don't, you know, and I'm always curious to see like, oh, what could they have done to have more focus or focus or, or, um, deciding where they could put their attention or whatever that might be, you know? So, Mm -hmm. which brings me to my next question is, um, what are your goals in life? Do you have like any kind of major goals or, um, you mentioned like starting a studio and how you changed, you know, um, I love hearing that too, because I have those same moments where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm going to do with my life. And then I go, Oh wait, this is not at all what I thought it was. It was, you know, like this is, I don't want to do this, you know, this is not, this isn't cool at all. So, um, but do you have any, any bit like, do you want to make a book or do you have something like that? Like an aspiration? Well, yeah, right now I'm working on this thing called mixed parts. That's like, um, it's a, uh, sort of a, it's like a Reddit style community for animation. Okay. Um, I guess, and it, it's what, what, what I'm, one of my reasons for kind of not doing the studio thing was so I could dedicate time uh, to like once a, once a client project was finished, dedicate time to creating something else. And I'm really interested in um, applying animation a little bit to sort of the startup world and like creating products and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and I think like the social aspect of it is really, is always really interesting to me and in kind of creating communities around that. Um, Trying, like enabling other artists, whether it's more uh, conceptual things, stuff like that. Um, but I guess my, my, my point is that I, I really want to do um, create these sort of products as well as kind of, kind of make uh, short films and stuff like that throughout, throughout the, my career. I, I guess like I want to find a, I guess ultimately I would love to find a way to, create money from something I've made versus making something for money. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. It's, there's people, definitely people do ways. it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely near it. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no, it's definitely the opportunity is, is there. It's, um, it's not as easy as just getting a client to hire you. But, uh, as far as like, you know, writing a book or anything like that, um, I mean, I have all these crazy ambitions, like I I don't even want to say them because if they don't happen, then it's like, (laughs) you know, it's funny my best friend, I had him on this podcast too. And he said the same thing. And, um, I made him tell everybody on the podcast and actually what it did is it changed his frame of mind and he actually became incredibly proactive and he's, he's my business partner in the school too, actually. And he's, kills it now because he's so proactive on just manifestation and he actually made it all happen too, which is really cool. That is cool. Cause I think what you do is when you throw those things out there, you become a accountable. Mm-hmm. And when you, if you're any kind of stand up person, you can go, Oh, well, you know, I told the world I was going to do this, you know? And so yeah. I'm going to do that. I don't know how many times I haven't told anybody about my video game, but I told people I'm making a game. So I Are know you? that I've already told that to everybody. So I have to stand up and do it, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I'm a big fan of getting to a point where it's like you're three months away from releasing the thing. Yeah. And same. then starting to talk about it. That's good. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess that's what, I mean, this mixed parts thing is like the big project I'm on right now. That's, I mean, it's probably not going to, uh, we just started beta testing it, which is pretty cool. And it's kind of interesting. There's it, it, one thing to, that like 
to make something and put it out there and people can look at it mm-hmm. and appreciate it. But to make something that people are can use and get more out of it is really kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's fulfilling in a different way. And so people are starting, I, I, I there's like 30 people kind of testing it right now and it's, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, but we're still, it's still not going to come out until, uh, I don't know, sometime early 2016, I guess. Okay. Awesome. Well, there you go. You're putting it out into the universe yeah, so people are aware of it. So. One thing. <laughs> yeah, that's great though. And that sounds really interesting too. I'm curious to see how that all works and, um, kind of what it's doing and as far as like community, community sense and creativity and, and as a whole, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, it's, do you have, um, got a couple more questions for you if it's okay. Do you have, yeah, sure. I'd love to have, um, uh, what I always ask from our guests on here because, um, not only, uh, am I a fan, but I know there's a lot of people that are interested and curious to see, hear from your mind, um, and put you on the spot a little bit. Do you have any advice perhaps for students or people that are starting out or people that are interested or people that are actually evolved and somewhat in the industry? Any advice, something that you've taken and learned from somebody, say a mentor or somebody that have really showed you kind of something important about how you do things? Uh, Any advice for anybody would be awesome. I think from a creative standpoint, just draw as as much as possible is the the big one I've kind of, and it's like something I wish I could have just told myself as a college student, just draw every day. Um, To do what you love every day? Yeah. Um, or, I mean, even just like studying like anatomy and, and, you know, drawing from life and things like that. I know it's kind of the cliche thing that to say, but it's true though. It's so, it's so true. It it helps in every, even if you're just want to do graphic design, it helps, it helps so much. It's, um, and I would say, uh, I know it's boring, but learn the business side of things. Cause if that's something that you don't need to even think about, then you can focus your time on being creative. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, learn how to negotiate and, and learn, learn your worth and all that, all that stuff. Where does one go to for those kind of resources besides say like this podcast, for example, which is very surface level, but how do we get one step deeper for people as far as accessing that thing? Like you found your lawyer through referral. I did the same thing. My mm-hmm. lawyer is Jeffrey Rose. I've actually had him on the podcast. He's amazing. Like he's a really great person and he's an outstanding lawyer at what he does. Nice. But how does somebody find such you know, resources and stuff like that? Cause it's, it's hard, you know, to navigate and to learn about business. Like how did you learn the hard way or through people? Yeah, I think I, I have a, Definitely um, learn. I learned better the hard way, like okay. doing it wrong and, and fucking up and then kind of taking taking a step back and thinking about how I could have done it differently. Yeah. Um, it's almost like every the first time I do anything is it's like I, I almost go into it thinking I'm going to I'm going to mess this up somehow. It's good, though. Yeah. And just and, you know, at the next one will be will I'll get it right. Um, but I, I guess I'm also you know fortunate to live in a city that has people doing all types of different things that I could just ask help from. Um, so yeah, creating your support network of like when I moved into the studio with Michelle Higa, uh, was it two years ago? Um, she, she had already been doing what I, <clears throat> what I kind of wanted to do, like being like the independent sort of working with agencies and clients and having her there that I could just ask her opinion mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned so much from her that way. And it was, um, that, you know, just finding that person that you, you kind of admire what they're doing and then just, just ask them and they'll, they'll usually like want to help you. Yeah. I'd say nine times out of 10, you reach out to an artist, whether you think they're too busy or not, surprisingly they'll respond. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I think a lot of generally, I think a lot of us artists are just genuinely caring people. And when we see somebody else in need or dealing with the same issues, uh, we can would do what we can to help out because we realize how important it is and how shitty it is to fail um, hard, you know. So, yeah, that's a those are really great advice. So I think having a mentor and having somebody that has a clear vision that has already done it um, and listening to them and taking heed with what they're giving you as far as advice is really is really important. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, you can always learn. Yeah. There's never the master of anything. I think personally, you can always be better. Yeah. So there's never, sure. there's never a ceiling at this. And that's, that's also the lure of doing this stuff, you know? 
Mm-hmm. How can people get at, uh, get at to you? Like, how do you, are you do the Twitter thing? Do the Instagram thing? Like what's the best way for people to get, if somebody's listening to this and interested in what you're doing and, um, perhaps curious as far as like uh, guidance or some sort of, or any, any kind of interaction with you, how do you do that? Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I do them all. I do <laughs> Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Instagram. Um, I guess I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is something savage. Okay. Um, yeah, I usually, if someone, you know, messages me on there, I'm 99% of the time I'll respond. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, so if, yeah, I don't know if, if there's any value in asking me something. <laughs> uh, I don't undersell yourself. You're doing it. You're making a career <laughs> and you're doing it for a living and you're supporting yourself off of it. So that's a, a big accomplishment. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for coming on today. I really appreciate it and your time and taking the time to just chat and have a little conversation and let me open your mind and trip your head out a little bit. Sorry if I, for, sorry for the brain, brain smash. Oh, it's all good. No, it's, <laughs> I, I have a lot to think about now. <laughs> That's awesome. Sometimes I have guests on here and I ask such weird questions or kind of therapeutical questions and, um, yeah, I have a, I've had a lot of friends or people that come on here and they have these really interesting moments because what they do is they just kind of work really hard and they don't do self-reflection. And then this podcast is like this weird release of like, oh yeah, why do I do this? And then it's like self-reflection moment, which is oftentimes they've always told me how beneficial it is for them. So just nice. cool. So I'm curious to see what happens. But, but awesome. Keep making epic work and inspiring the rest of us. And yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having me, man. And that does it for this week's episode. Big thank yous to Daniel for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to Daniel's work and all of the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 127, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out.